we will talk about that. I'm going to miss the Odyssey a lot. But let's be real, the Cubs had to make a lot of moves this offseason. And Theo has always believed in this. Uh, Bill Walsh leader, I believe, that 10 years in sports franchise is just enough for a team to do what it needs to do and then move on. Like, because then you, just the leadership idea, leadership changes come every 10 years. But with the and with these significant changes that their Cubs are facing this year, he this is this is nine years, but he wanted the Cubs to make these significant changes, and he wanted it to be someone who's going to be around for a while making those moves, which makes a lot of sense. So he decided to resign a year early, which I expected him to resign in general and to step down like in a good way, like he did. I expected it next year, but this makes a lot of sense because of like. Again, he wants it to be somebody. He wants the boost to be made by someone who's going to be here over a while longer, which is Jennifer. And again, this sucks as a Cubs fan because I love Theo. Everyone, Cubs fan loves Theo. And to me, I think Theo is undoubtedly the greatest executive in the history of baseball. I mean, you could argue someone else, but I don't think you could argue that Theo isn't up there. I think Theo will be no doubt when he's whenever he's done. He's really young still. Whenever he does, he's going to go somewhere else and build the team, but not this upcoming season afterwards instead. But he deserves every opportunity he's going to get, and he's going to be fantastic wherever he goes. Yeah, I mean, he is only 46 years old, and it's not even known if he goes to another team. I mean, he could end up working in the commissioner's office, honestly. I mean, there's people have suggested that he would he would make a good hire for Manfred to uh, to... As someone who could, he knows baseball in a different way than Manfred. And people are even talking about him as a future commissioner. Manfred's contract is up after 2024. And considering how, considering how much the owners feel he messed up around baseball, I think there's, there's a chance that they don't vote to keep him as the commissioner and they get someone else. And... Yeah, I th- I think it would be possible for them to get Theo. I mean, he's 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 still young enough where he could be there for a long time. He's he's made bro- broken two long championship doubt droughts in Boston and Chicago. Um, I mean, he's he did say he was going to take this year off. So I mean, I think it wouldn't be for until next year that we really he really sort of. Um, Gets gets more involved with baseball again. I think um, he he did take responsibility for making baseball less exciting um, through analytics and just getting rid of the aesthetic value by just trying to find basically making guys less personal, using less personal means to evaluate them. And I think that him taking responsibility that for general managers and executives across the league. I think that shows how good of a guy he is and how, honestly, how good he could be at at sort of um, and just working in the commissioner's office, if, if need be, or working for another team. I mean, I'd, I can see him going to Pittsburgh. I think that would be a really big challenge for him. I think that would, um, that would be a good challenge for him. I think that would... Um, that that would be something that he would want, not basically something similar to Chicago, although without the money. Oh yeah, I I, I never even thought about Pittsburgh. I don't think Cubs fans would like that one, obviously, but it it's it's possible. I think the most realistic option is for him to be going to New York, the Mets, 
the Phillies. Um, something I thought about maybe would be the, would have been the Angels because you'd be reunited with the guy he hired as the Cubs manager five years ago, um, or six years ago actually, uh, Joe Madden. I think that'd be a very likely candidate, possible thing. I don't know. That's probably not going to happen. And again, none of these are going to happen for at least another year. And the Angels did just hire a new G, uh, new general manager too. So I don't think. I mean, he wouldn't be the general manager. He would be above the general manager. But I think it would still be – it wouldn't necessarily be enough time to evaluate how this general manager is doing. Oh, exactly. I, I think it's just that all, all these are just ideas that could happen. I don't know what they, what he's going to do. But who knows? I'm excited to see what he does next. And whatever he does, he's going to do – he's going to kill that. He's going to be unbelievable in that role. So, Theo was not the only executive to step down this week. Ron Fowler, who was the Padres' executive chairman, also resigned. And he was, he was a minority owner. of He's been a minority owner of the Padres since 2012. He's going to stay in an advisory role. And, I mean, he's, he's sort of st- taking a step back. He's, um, he's going to hand, hand the keys over to uh, Kevin Seidler who was uh, the lead investor of the Padres, and also the grandson of Walter O'Malley, who is the former, was the former Dodgers owner who moved them from Brooklyn to Los Angeles in the 1950s. So I, I think Seidler obviously has history in baseball. He's actually the lead investor in the partnership that owns the Padres. I think that's it's an interesting choice for Fowler to step down, but I think it's... Considering what's gone on with the Padres recently, I mean, I, I think someone had to take responsibility for that. Not, I mean, obviously the last few years they've been good, and AJ Preller's got—I mean, he's given, he's gotten them some good young guys. But I just think their sort of their failures in the past. Um, in the back, I guess. I yeah, yeah. I mean, some. It's, it's interesting to me because yeah, we talked. We were. And Fowler's still going to have a role, not only within the team, but within the league, too. He's also, he has a role in the, on the um, league's labor policy committee. So he's still going to stay on that, in that as a member, and as well as having an advisory role, the, role with the Padres. So I, he's, still going to, he's still going to be involved with baseball in some aspect, which I, I think is, is interesting that he's leaving a team but still actually staying involved. Especially a team that's young and up and com- an up and coming young team. Correct. Yeah. Like the Padres. Yeah, they definitely. It, it kind of is a little shocking. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's not. It's probably more the general manager and president of baseball operations that have been responsible for getting these guys, but he's still the yeah. he's still the one who oversees them, so he's still responsible for it in some way. It, it's it's it kind of comes again. I came as a 
last one of the last people I'd expect to just randomly step down out of nowhere. It feels like there could be something I'm missing on that. Maybe there's something he has done or controversy in the organization, but I haven't seen anything about it. I haven't seen anything that would have caused this. So yeah, I haven't either. I mean, it's definitely. It was surprising to see him step down, especially given the success that they've had in the past couple of years, and they're probably, or they're trying to have in the next couple of years. And considering some of the guys they have, it's, I mean, they should have at least some success. Yeah, they, they're going to have a lot. I think they're going to be, they're built for, a few, for several, several years, I think, at least. I mean... We saw what Tatis and um, Machado were able to do this year with them, as well as just the moves they were able to make as a franchise, like to acquire a guy like Mike Clevenger. I mean, they made a lot of moves to build for the future, and Clevenger, I believe, has several more years of team control. So, I believe he, I, I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I believe he actually only has two years left before becoming a free oh, yes, agent. Because they gave him an extent, a little bit of an extension, and then. In the, the same tweet they announced his extension, he, they said he has uh, needs Tommy John, which is just, again, that, I mean, I expected him to need it, but he needed He had a lot of injuries down that stretch, and he, it, it's disappointing for them that they're going to lose a guy that they spent a whole lot to get. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's not helpful for their pitching or for their ch- chances of winning a championship, but... Um, we will. We are going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll talk about Mike Clevenger and a uh, couple other big news stories around baseball. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Trades, news, scores, and highlights from around America's pastime. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. on the 88.1 FM stream and on our website, KCU.FM on the Blue Box. I'm jumping in with my clothes on. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I think Kid A is probably their best single album. Uh, My favorite individual song is Life in a Glass House, the perfect uh, mixture of harmony and chaos. Ken Bone, Radiohead, KCOU, For nearly 15 years, India's House has brought traditional North Indian cuisine to downtown Columbia. Featuring staples such as tikka masala and tandoori breads, India's House is sure to warm the soul. Located at the intersection of Broadway and Hit, open for delivery or curbside pickup. And now, a poem. Tikka masala is red, and you're feeling blue, but once you're at India's House, you'll feel anew. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Hartman. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. 
you love them enough to do anything for them. Mom, I need to be wiped. Coming. Including checking NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Hello and welcome back to On Deck Circle on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Michael Levitt with Adam Rosen, and we're here to talk more baseball. So, Adam, another huge story in baseball this week, Robinson Cano and his suspension for PEDs. What's your take on that? It is the second time. So, yeah, it is the second time. Uh, but he's, all, he's had potential, even before that first time, I believe two years ago, he had already had like people thinking he had done that before, I'm pretty sure. So, Cano, come on. Look, look, I'm, I'm going to have hot takes on here a little bit later when we talk about the potential Hall, but it's the Hall of Fame. We'll have more. We'll talk about this more later with the Hall of Fame ballots being announced. So I'll have some hot takes on steroids later. But, I mean, like, he literally pissed away, like, $36 million now, which is kind of funny. But, like, it's also sad. Like, this guy's one of the best players of this generation. And he's got, I mean, I I like watching Cano play. It's just a shame that this is going to happen again. He's probably not going to get, I mean, this is not going to look good for him at all in the future with his any chances of him getting into the hall. But it it kinda he was good this year and I guess now we can kind of find out why. But you know what's interesting is that this makes the Mets have a lot of extra money available for this offseason. So in a way I guess it's a blessing in disguise for the Mets because with Steve Cohen, they're going to have a lot more money to spend now this offseason. And there are talks now, LeMay, rumors about LeMahieu going to the Mets because of that, which it could very well happen. It could. I th- I think it would be, it's probably more likely that they just move Jeff McNeil to second base. And then that opens up a spot in the outfield for um, either J.D. Davis or Dominic Smith. I mean, especially if there's no DH, if they want to get those guys in the lineup. Obviously, that makes for a less, a worse defensive lineup as far as outfielders, but I think it's, I think they would have to weigh the um, pros and cons, but I, I can see them doing that, especially especially if they're, since it is, it, it's cheaper than signing LeMahieu and it allows them to spend their money that they would spend on LeMahieu, they would spend it elsewhere. True. It does also open up I mean, what you said with um, moving McNeil to a second, that's second. I think he really is originally a second baseman. Um, you know what else? It opens up. It opens up the money for Springer. That would open up money for Springer, which has been a very popular rumor. Yeah, and I could. I mean, that's a. Um, that's a. That would be a. That would be a good decision for them. Um, I mean, I, I can see them. 
will be willing to pay up for him. I mean, I think the only... I mean, I, yeah, I can see them doing that. I think they would. They still have... Um, I believe Jonas Cespedes is still a... Um, still owed about $25 million, I believe, over the next year or two years. So I think that would... I mean, that, that's, that would just be an expensive outfield, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that makes sense. I honestly forgot that Cespedes was still on their payroll because of the fact that he kind of opted out at, like, not, like he had, like, that weird situation where he, like, opted out uh, and then, like, didn't tell anyone. So, I completely forgot that he was on their payroll, but I don't even know what, what well, I don't know what they're going to do with Cespedes. That's been a crazy story the last several years with the Mets. Like, what what on earth can they do with you on Cespedes? Because if he's healthy, I mean, he hasn't even been healthy in so long, but when he was healthy a few years ago, he was on re- He was a monster. He power hitter, good, pretty good, very good outfield, arm in the outfield, but <clears throat> he hasn't been healthy in so long. I don't even know if he's going to play again. Yeah, I mean, I think if he comes back, if the NL adopts the DH, I can see him using them, use, seeing the Mets use him there. I, I, I mean, considering they don't, he is coming back from injury, and they don't necessarily want to risk him aggravating his injury or missing time yeah. even more. I think putting him at DH is probably the safest bet. Although, I mean, you're in the same situation where you don't. Your corner outfielders are worse defensively. Um, I mean, if you yeah. have, well, I, I guess just left field. It would be either J.D. Davis or Dominic Smith, and. Because I believe you ha- you would have um, Conforto in center and Brandon N- Nimmo in right field, so I mean, and those are both good defenders. I think that, so. Someone would be sitting out anyway. I think. I mean, it's just sort of yeah. trying to find the right mix. But I mean, Cano still. So he's going to miss all of this year. After he missed eighty games in twenty eighteen after testing positive, is going to miss all of this year, and. I mean, he, he still has two years and $48 million left on his contract with the Mets, although the Mariners would, will pay 7.5 from that trade. They agreed to pay that much. Um, actually, originally signed for 10 years, $240 million. So, I mean... Yeah, I remember he left the, he left the Yankees... Um, now, that must have been 10 years ago now. At least 10 years ago now. Feels like it's been forever. No, I think it's... I want to say that was before 2014. I believe so. Everything feels feels like it's been so long. Yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, he's had a great career. Yeah. I mean, this suspension obviously gives Cano less of a chance to reach 3,000 hits, too. Which is... Oh, no doubt. I mean, not only would that... Not only would that help his Hall of Fame case, especially if guys who got suspended for for steroids get in, guys like Bonds and Sosa and um, Clemens. I mean, if those guys can get in, you would think maybe Cano would still be able to get in if he reached, I mean, obviously, I mean, reaching 3,000 hits is a big milestone for, for um, a player. And if he still doesn't get 3,000 hits, I mean, I think that's that would hurt his chances. Even if those guys get in. It would not just hurt. It would really hinder any ability he has. Because even with the steroids, even without, even with 3,000 hits, it's unlikely because of the steroids and because we 
know how strict and angry and like annoyed that voters get with steroid users. Yeah, I mean, Cano does, he has about a little over 2,600 career hits right now. So he's not, I mean, if he can hang, I mean, if he can sign, stay around for another couple years after this contract is done, I can, I can see him still reaching it even with this suspension. The question is, will he be able to st- stay around? Will he be able to keep up any production? That's it, yeah. As well. Well, and that would obviously affect his ability to get a contract. True. And the pro- again, the problem with him is that the- he was so good this year, but clearly we know why. Right, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where maybe that's not the full reason, but that's a valid assumption to make is that that is that at least helped that at least helped him reach how good he was this year. It's absolutely some, it's gotta be some part of it. I would say so, yeah. So now moving on to other news that we did touch on before. Mike Clevenger signed a two year deal with the Padres that doesn't does not extend him. He still he would have been under contract for those two years anyway. This basically just sets his salary for the remaining two years of arbitration. And I believe it just avoids arbitration with them. Correct, yeah. Um but then, at the same time, the Padres announced that he's going to miss this whole season due to Tommy John surgery. I mean, it's it's a huge loss for San Diego. Oh, it's an enormous loss. I mean, that, the, the tweet said, we have agreed to a whatever extension with it. And then it said, uh, right after that, it was like, I didn't even, read the, I didn't even see the second part until you met, like, a little bit later. I'm like... Oh, that's good for him. Awesome that he's getting that extension. It's good. He deserves it. And then I look at him, and then I'm like, and I keep throwing it. Um, what? I didn't even see it. That stinks because he's got so much talent. He's a great pitcher. They acquired. They, they took. They spent. They gave up a lot to get him, and he deserves that contract that he's going to get. But it stinks because that hurts their chance of that next year. And who knows what he's going to be like coming out of Tommy John? I right touching third. He's got to be approaching 30 now, I think. I believe, yeah, he turns 30 next month, actually. Uh, So he he would hit free agency at 31 years old. Yeah, I believe he's old for um, his contract situation, for for what he was, for the age he is for to be reaching free agency soon for the first time, he's old. Yeah, I mean, I think he came up relatively late, too. As far as, or at least... At least got a mate. He didn't really have a huge role with in in baseball with, or with his team until he was older than most players are. Yeah, he did not reach. The, he did not get a, like a chance for for until he was mid twenties, I believe. So actually, yeah, mid twenties. It's just an interesting situation out there, and then you know you have to wonder what the Padres are going to get fill in for them. Like, are they going to try and sign somebody for agency? Yeah, I think they would definitely try to sign somebody. I mean, it's going to be hard to replace someone like this. I mean, with as much talent as he has and as good as he was for them. I mean, it, granted it wasn't a big um it wasn't a big s- sample size. He made four starts with San Diego after coming over via trade and 2 and 1 with a 2.84 ERA is pre- that's pretty good. And he, oh, yeah. he had a 318 ERA this year with Cleveland before being traded. So, he, I mean, he w- he was good this year. 
I mean, obviously, he left his last start of the season with elbow impingement, missed most of the playoffs. I think he maybe pitched one inning. And, he pitched one inning, and then he was like, heck, take him out, and now we know why. Right. I mean, it's... And this isn't his... This actually isn't his first time having Tommy John surgery either, which makes it even worse. He actually had it yeah. in 2012 as a minor leaguer. And, I mean... I, not that the not that you can't have it multiple times and be successful, but I believe it's harder to come back from surgery after you've had it. The more times you've had it, I mean, I don't know that anyone's come back from it three times. I think maybe some. I, I mean, believe so. I believe I guess you would count this as two and a half. Johnny Venters, I believe, had came back after having two and then had like a sort of replacement surgery. That something that's sort of similar. So I get. Two, two and a half. What I mean, that's that's probably the closest to three that someone's had. Yeah, it just stinks because of what, like, how good he's gonna, how, how, what he fit in for their plans for the next few seasons, and this takes away any chance he has to contribute next year at least, and hinder, and it's going to hinder his ability to contribute in the in the year when he when he comes back. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, if he undergoes it now, you would he should be ready for spring training of 2022. Figure it. I that's. Think he might have already undergone it. I believe he underwent this week. Yes. Uh, Tuesday or something like that. Um, something like that. It was really. It was. I believe it was a few days ago. Yeah, I mean, it's that that allows because it normally takes pitchers about 18 months to come back from Tommy John surgery. As opposed, I mean, if a hitter gets it, they can probably come back in 12. Um, but for pitchers, it takes about six months longer with the rehab process of building back up. And, um, I mean, if he since he did undergo it now, I mean, that sort of gives him five to six months of the offseason, like that extra time frame, basically. So figure maybe he misses about a month of the 2022 season at the most, hopefully. I mean, it's... Hopefully, yeah. Assuming it's everything goes smoothly. To me, it's like... It, uh, I guess, um... Tommy Towner, well, UCL, I guess, is, rem- is like, reminds me of, like, an Achilles injury to an athlete in, like, they get basketball. You don't come back from an Achilles injury in, for a while. I mean, unfortunately, we just... I believe we've seen... A few days ago in basketball, there was a couple of Achilles injuries, and we saw like players in basketball they either don't come back at all, or they just don't come back the same. And this is something I feel that fear with um, Mike Clevenger and Tommy John because of his age. And he's not, again, he's thirty; he'll be thirty-one. He'll be thirty when he comes back from it, or maybe thirty-one. But it's just the fact that when you're older, it's harder for you to come back from more these really intensive, like serious surgeries, which you see in other sports again, like the Achilles, players don't come back the same. And I just hope that he, for his sake, and, and baseball's sake, because it's good for him, it's good for baseball when he's pitching, uh, that he comes back more strong. So another big piece of news, or big announcement this this week, was that Nelson Cruz announced he would not sign as a free agent until the, until the league made a decision on if there would be a designated hitter in the NL this year. What, what do you think, Adam? I, I mean, that just puts the pressure on the major, on the NL, on MLB to just announce it. Like, it's, it should have been done already. I mean, 
free agency is happening for a few weeks now, and obviously with free agency, it does not, at least in recent years, it takes a while for big names to fall, for the big dominoes to fall, but just in that, they've got to announce it soon, because these are players who want their, their future plans to be announced, and if it's not there, I mean, if Nelson Cruz is absolutely going to go back to Minnesota, it's not there, but who knows, he could go somewhere else, he could go to the NL if, if the DH exists, but... It just puts a lot of pressure on the majors to give to uh, Major League Baseball to announce it. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think it's more so for the fact that it's... It actually impacts the free agent market of these guys. I mean, Nelson Cruz, Marcelo Zuna. I mean, there's other players, too, but those are just a couple examples. Guys who aren't really good defensively, but their bat a lot is so good that they can actually... They're like one of the top hitters in the league, basically. But they're, or at least this past year, and they were, they're just not good defensively. So being able to have the DH would, would obviously affect how many teams are interested in them. Not as you would think, not as many teams would be would want Nelson Cruz to play the field every day, which basically rules out the whole National League if there's no DH. As far as who who, who would be who he would go to. I don't think there's a single baseball team that would ever want Nelson Cruz to play the field at this point because one, he's forty. Two, he's 40, and three, he's not good defensively. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's 40 twice. I mean, he's not a 40-year-old bad outfielder to play defense for you ever? No. He hasn't made a single defensive appearance since 2018. The last two years, has not played at all in the field, made nine appearances in 2017 and 18. So, I mean, and he's ranked as the best DH on the free agent market this offseason by most evaluators. I mean, he's still... 100%. Yeah, I mean the amount the his ability to still hit as well as he is at forty years old is still unbelievable. I mean he's in the last two years he's hit the fifth most homers in baseball. I mean for, for someone his age that's for that's unheard of. Other than David Ortiz, obviously, yeah. It's like David Ortiz, but pretty much, yeah. So with that, we are going to head to another break, and when we come back talk about free agent signings this last week and the Hall of Fame ballot being released. Stay with us. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Good morning and good evening and thanks for listening to KCOU Columbia. I'm Barack Obama and I approve this message. KCOU would like to shout out East Side Tavern. It's the bar that's bizarre downtown columbia's best karaoke comedy club with a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week east side is a solid place to hang out 
that I've gotten on the internet, I'd rather be on my computer than doing just about anything. It's really cool. The internet gave us a whole world of exciting new possibilities. So I guess this is a story of how it changed our lives. Changed our lives. Change your life. Change the way you do the internet. Go like KCOU on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at KCOU and on Instagram at KCOU881. Stay up to date on the latest online content, events, giveaways, and more. You may be right. I think we're being followed now. Don't look. Just play cool. So what are you waiting for, young keyboard warrior? The wonderful world of KCOU is just one click away. them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. This is called 2112. Welcome back to On Deck Circle on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Michael Levitt with Adam Rosen. And, Adam, there were a couple notable free agent signings this week. Um, one of them was Drew Smiley signing with the Braves. And Yasmani Tomas, who's not necessarily a notable name. Well, notable in a good way. But um, he's more infamous than famous at this point. Um, him signing with the Nationals. What, what are your thoughts on that? Drew uh, Smiley signing is not shocking. I mean, without Soroka, they wanted somebody who could potentially be there as a, a help vet, veteran. And I believe Cole Hamels is also free agent, so this is probably a decent idea of them. Tom, Tomas, just a, just a flyer, see if you can fix him. So, not much. There's really not too much. There's other interesting Nationals news I found. From John Morosi, that they are very interested in tra- potentially trading for uh, Chris Bryant, which, if you're a contender, of course, you're trading interested in trading for Chris Bryant. And then, as well as the Rockies, or Dodgers are interested in Nolan Arenado, which is not fair and unfair. So, don't do that, Dodgers. Please don't. But, you know, it's just interesting stuff that happened in terms of transaction potentials. We're not, again, we're not going to see much big things happen yet. It's going to be a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly just sort of the lower-tier lower free agents they're signing. Um, I mean, Smiley, I, I think he it – was, it's a one-year deal for $11 million. That's not – I mean, it's – I'm kind of surprised he got that much money, although he did have a good year this past year with San Francisco. I mean, I think Atlanta's more just sort of hoping that he can stay healthy and provide veteran leadership for their rotation, which – yeah. Seems pretty young at this point. Even if Soroka comes back, I mean, it's still you would have Smiley now, along with Soroka, Freed, 
Kyle Wright and I, Ian Anderson. And, I mean, that would probably be your five-man rotation. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's a f- pretty good rotation. The only thing is four of those five are young. So I, I think I think getting Smiley actually I, – I think them signing a veteran pitcher was something they almost needed to do, considering the other four guys in the rotation. I think it's a great idea. It's not. It's a great signing because it's one year, and obviously, eleven million is a lot of money. But with one year, it's fine. He'll be off the books if he does bad, and one year means if he does bad, they, they, if something goes wrong with them, they can obviously look to trade him if they care, if anything goes wrong with them in the, at the trade line. But so, but no, I think it's a good signing for them. They needed somebody like that. Yeah, and Yasmani Tomas. I mean, that's more international signing with by the Diamondbacks, and that just did not work out well. It's basically, I think he's been in the minors at least the past three years. I mean, I don't even think he's been on the 40-man roster. He, I know he was not in the 60-man player pool this year. Um, I mean, which is surprising considering the amount of money that he's owed, but at the same time, not surprising considering his numbers at the major league level. Yeah, I mean, I think it's basically... Uh, Nationals are just sort of taking taking a chance on him and hoping it'll turn out well. Yeah, it's more. It's just like one of those flying flyers that a free agent, a flyer deal that you don't expect to do much. That you don't expect to do much. It's a low risk, high reward thing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's doesn't really get more. Uh, I mean, I guess it's you don't really think Tomas could fall any further than he has. Well, right, obviously, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Obviously, you hope he can turn it around. I mean, it's... I, I think it's a... I think it's a reasonable flyer for the Nationals to take. I mean, he's depth at the very least. Exactly, and depth is always important, especially with the team that had all these injury struggles this past season. Yeah, so... The Hall of Fame ballot was released this week. Now, Adam, we decided to come up with our own ballots for who we would put if we were actually eligible to vote. Who did, who did you put on yours? Yes. So, I, know, I talked about this earlier. I'm going to give some hot takes, hot fire. Let's go. Barry Bonds. I don't need to explain the stats. Kurt Schilling. Todd Helton. Billy Wagner. Scott Rowland. Roger Clemens. Andrew Jones. Tory Hunter. Mark Burley. And... Sammy Sosa. Now look, some of these guys have steroid issues. But, when you look past, obviously it's hard to look past that, but Roger Clemens has seven Cy Youngs. I mean, come on. Barry Bonds, we all know. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before the stats. I mean, before the steroids. Baseball was revived because of steroids, and you cannot accurately or credibly tell the history of baseball without Barry Bonds. If you do, you lose credibility. He has the most wild and crazy stats ever, and you put it plain and simple, he's the greatest player, one of one of the greatest players ever. Steroids or not, he's undeniably the top five player ever. To me, I think... Even with steroids, sure, they give you power. Sure, they give you energy, yeah. But do they teach you how to make contact with the ball or when to swing? Absolutely not. You still have to be able to hit. Yeah, I mean... That's just my theory about him. I think another thing with Bonds... I think another thing with Bonds is... 
the steroids basically took away his speed too. I mean, when when he took steroids, he bulked up a lot. I mean, he he was a quick. He stole a lot of bases before that, and after that, I mean, he didn't steal as much. I mean, that wasn't wasn't as much a part of his game. So I I mean, he he was obviously a different player before and after steroids is what I'm trying to say. Of course, it's just the fact that without him, with him, he helped revive baseball. Baseball was dying, especially because of that strike. And it needed, it needed a savior, and obviously part of the savior was Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. And look, people have said, well, it's not fair to put him in when other steroid users haven't gotten in. Are other steroid users as great as Barry Bonds? Name one. I don't think you can name one who has... I know Mark McGuire was fantastic and stuff, but here's the thing. I don't even think Sammy Sosa has actually been conferred. I mean, he probably did. I'm 99% likely. But he does not have any... There's no definitive saying yes, he absolutely did it. There's no 100% proof. But, again, it's probably, he probably did it. But here's the thing. Was any... You cannot tell me one player in that era that did steroids that was that even remotely even comparable to Barry Bonds that did steroids. Barry Bonds didn't even need steroids, which makes no sense. So as far as who I would put on mine, I I would probably get not vote for any steroid players, more just for for the purity of the game, basically. I mean, it's whether they're legal or not. I mean, it's something that has tainted the game, and I th- I think in that aspect, it's it's not really right to put them in the Hall of Fame. I mean, e- even if they deserve to be there, I mean, they have. It's one, it's one of the wrongs of baseball, basically, and I, in my opinion. And I think it's, it's something that sort of disqualifies all these guys. Are there Hall of Fame, probable Hall, Hall, of Fame, Hall of Famers who probably use steroids? Yeah. You could say Frank Thomas did or Jim Tomey. I mean, has that been proven? No. But it might be likely. Um, I don't know. I decided to go with – I went with some of the same guys as you did. I'd put um, – Kurt Schilling, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Jeff Kent, Billy Wagner, Bobby Abreu, Omar Vizquel, more for partly for longevity, but he was good at the same time, really good defensively. Um, Tory Hunter, Mark Burley, and Scott Rowland. And for that last spot, I was sort of deciding between Scott Rowland and Andrew Jones, who were both injury prone. Burley was reliable. That's why I went with him. He was basically Mr. Consistent for his whole career. Pitched 200 innings every year, basically got, um, got, uh, I mean, was healthy basically all the time. I mean, he wasn't, wasn't someone who missed time. And as far as Roland or Jones, who both missed a lot of time due to injury, um, I mean, I, I just thought Roland had some better years. They were both great defensively, but they were, they were. Um, they both did miss time. I think Roland was just sort of had some better years. So with yeah. that, and, go oh, ahead. Sorry. sorry. I, I know we're about to run out of time, but one thing: Gary Sheffield did steroids too. So that's that's another. There is another. Is a thing we can talk about that. We can talk about that a different time, but we have to remember today: Gary Sheffield did do steroids as well. So with that, that is, go ahead. 
So with that, we are going to wrap up this week's edition of On Deck Circle on KCOU 88.1. I'm Michael Levitt with Adam Rosen. Thank you for joining us, and we will... We might not be back for for a while on air on KCOU, but we will be posting it on Spotify if you want to check that out. Um, so, it, I mean, it's been fun. We'll look forward to it continuing, and um, we'll see you next time. You're listening to KCOU Columbia, 88.1 FM. Écrivant une nouvelle histoire